Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Father, we want to give you thanks. We want to give you thanks for your word. We want to give you thanks for your Holy Spirit. Father, we want to give you thanks for your people. We want to give you thanks, Father, because you love us and you want to speak to us as we sing to one another, as we speak to one another, as we hear your words spoken. You want to speak to us. Lord, you're not a quiet or a silent God. Thank you, Lord, that you are there and you're not silent. And thank you, Lord, that you also hear us. And we pray, Lord, that as we get into your word together, that our hearts would be seeking you, wanting what you call us to do to be a reality in our lives. Father, please, we, we want to be those that, that experience the truth of Jesus. Please, Lord, do this, we pray. And it's in his name we pray. And everyone who agrees says, Amen. Amen. When it comes to sharing truth, and this is the thing we're looking at this morning, sharing truth with one another. When it comes to sharing truth, it's bigger than simply communicating our Bible knowledge. It's not less than that. The scripture is what informs truth. We know truth because God's word is truth, but it's bigger than that. When we're sharing truth, it's, it's really us being able to say, this is how the God of the Bible is working in my life. This is how the God of the Bible wants to work in your life. That's what it is. To share truth is just what that word means, to share. And I was thinking about, uh, in fact, I almost, I almost wrote up my six favorite recipes and made multiple copies and clipped them and stuck them on your seats. I almost did that. Because I'm a little bit of a foodie. I've always liked to eat. And in more recent years, because I like to eat, I've liked to cook. I like food. And the funny thing is about recipes, you can read a recipe and think, eh, I wouldn't like that. But then when somebody makes it for you, and you eat it, and your mouth begins to water, and you just think, oh, this is the, this is the greatest thing. Because there's something about not just reading a recipe, but experiencing that food that makes you appreciate what that recipe is actually calling for. One of the things that I, I, I tease my wife about is, Sarah's a very good cook, and she will make uh, something for, for dinner, and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And then like months later, she'll make it again. It's just not quite as good. <laughs> and, she, and she always, yeah, it, she, you know, you can pity her. It's fine. She's married to me. You can pity her. 
But what, what happens is, is that Sarah doesn't necessarily always follow a recipe. She's got good instincts about cooking, so she just cooks. But here's the problem. When you find a recipe that really works, that actually is nutritious and delicious, guess what? You better stick to the recipe. Sharing truth is kind of like that. We stick to the recipe. We see what, what has God said. And we cook and we eat and we share. Anybody miss bringing shares? Anybody getting hungry right now? Because I'm getting hungry. Which is why I didn't do the recipes, man. Plus, I have a secret sauce for veggie enchiladas that no one's going to know but me. I'm sorry. But, but here's, the, here's the reality that we need to know. When Jesus talks about sharing the truth, he's clear about what the truth is. Listen to this. In John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word... You are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? Set you free. So according to Jesus, listen, according to Jesus, in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, the truth is found in his word. The truth is known to believers. You will know the truth, he says. We're not guessing, we can know. And the truth liberates sinners, that's me and you. Now, if you read the context of, of John 8, you'll see this is exactly what it's talking about. Because right after this, the, the, the Jews who believed in him said, set free. Well, we're not slaves to anybody. And Jesus says, of course, if you've sinned, you're a slave to sin. They didn't like that, but they need to understand the liberation that his word's going to bring. This is the reality, okay? Jesus is really clear about what the truth is. In fact, he tells us the central theme of all of God's word is what? Him. It's all about Jesus. Jesus says in John chapter 14, Alan prayed this, this this morning, where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, and whoever has seen me has seen the Father. The reason this is important is because when Paul here in Colossians tells us that we need to be admonishing and teaching one another, when he calls us to that, he's not just saying that we just kind of share, you know, veggie enchilada recipes. Or we share what our opinion was of the latest sports game. Nothing wrong with either of those things. But teaching and admonishing one another has to do with sharing the truth of who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing among his people. That's the sharing that sets us free. So what we're going to talk about today is really kind of three truths about effectively sharing the truth with one another. So starting back in verses 14 and 15, here's the thing we need to understand about the truth. We apply the truth relationally. We apply the truth relationally. This is the whole kind of motive behind the one another series. Now in verse 14, uh, Paul writes, And above all these things... Put on love, notice what he says, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The idea of these things being bound together, it's, it's the love of God that we've been given through Christ that binds us together, us together supernaturally. God bursts us into his family. The Holy Spirit doesn't just kind of say, I've now put a label on you that you're mine. Something changes, something supernaturally changes in us when we come to faith in Jesus. Jesus called it being born again. We get this new life because of this love 
that God has given to us through Jesus. And when he gives us this new life, this automatically binds us together as brothers and sisters. And that togetherness, that connection is something that's meant to be not just expressed in deed, but actually felt in heart. Listen to this. Peter says, having purified your souls by, obe- uh, by your obedience to the truth. That's the truth of the gospel. God commands, we obey, we obey, uh, or we believe, we obey that by believing the gospel. Since you purified your souls by the obedience to the truth of the gospel, for a, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. One version says, fervently. In other words, the love that we show together, the love that binds us together, isn't just kind of an understanding of something conceptual. We don't just say, okay, I I, I get it. We are all, we've all kind of have the same faith. We all go to the same church. So we ought to be nice to each other. No, it's way bigger than that. The love that we apply, uh, the truth that we apply supernaturally is this truth that God so loved us that he changes us that we might so love one another. There'd be a fervency to our love. But also this love that binds, there's something practical about it. It practically binds all the other virtues together. Everything that Paul mentions earlier in this section, some of which we'll look at next week. All, all this, he, he says all this stuff, these are all important things by themselves, but without love they lose their value. It's love that binds them together. The love of God binds them together. You guys know these verses, I'm sure, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I am delivered, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain. See, Paul's not saying in 1 Corinthians 13 that it's not a good thing for us to speak in tongues. It is a great thing. God's given that gift, you should use it. He's not saying that there's no place for prophetic powers or an understanding of mystery, of knowledge and teaching. No, we need that. But if it doesn't have love, it's pointless. Well, there's a place for sacrifice, but if there's not love, it doesn't gain us anything. This is the point that we have to understand. We apply, we apply truth relationally, which means we seek to do that as a love that binds, as God's love that binds us together and binds together all the other things that we're trying to do, that we're seeking by the Spirit's power to do. But it's not just, listen, a love that binds. It's also as peace that rules. Look what he says in verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. We'll come back to the thankful bit at the end. But I want you to notice what he's saying here. He's saying that, listen, there's a peace that's from Christ that's meant to rule. It's meant to govern what we do. What does that mean? Well, it's a peace we might say that overrules our guilt before God. Anybody here sinned against God in the last 24 hours? Better all raise your hands, liars. Come on. We've all sinned against God in the last 24 hours. Every single one of us. Would God be right to condemn us for that one, two, three, probably more than that sins that we've done in the last 24 hours? Would he be right? Yes. You know why he doesn't? He overrules 
our sinfulness through the work of Christ. This is a, this is a you might say, a peace between us and God. There's no, though we sin and make him our enemy, he chose us and made us his family through Christ. Listen to what the scripture says. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? Listen, if, if you are uh, someone who would say, yes, I believe in Jesus. Yes, I believe he died for my sins. Yes, I believe he rose from the dead. But I don't know anything about this peace. If you don't have peace, it's not because God hasn't made peace with you through Jesus. It's probably because as we prayed this morning, there's a need for us to repent, to turn back to him. To receive that peace afresh. Because it's not just a, a peace that overrules our guilt before God. It's a peace that we experience perfectly. But also, listen, it's a peace that overrules any racial, cultural, or social differences between us. This is how we apply the truth relationally. Listen to this, Ephesians chapter 2. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. It's not what we are experiencing internally or just between us and God. But notice he says, he united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separate us, separated us. See, before Jesus comes on the scene, the Jews have this mindset that we're God's chosen people, and unless you want to become Jewish, you ain't going to be. And even if you do become Jewish, you're only going to be able to get so far. But Jesus changes all that. He shows that the whole purpose of God had for the nation of Israel was to bring him on the scene and to be a blessing to every tongue, tribe, and nation. That we are now one. Our different, the differences in culture and social standing and education and gender and all these other things that, that make us feel like we are separate from each other. No, we are one in Jesus. We have a peace. We're brought together. And we're called, listen, we're called to apply that truth relationally. This is really important because as we get into the practicalities of, of teaching and admonishing each other, if we don't get that this is, there's a relational aspect from this, we're going to mess up. I mean, let's be honest. Does anyone want us to, do any of us want to come to church and someone say, hi, here's a verse. Hi, I'm going to quote this to you. Hi, let me make sure I correct that doctrine. Is that all we want to experience? Or do we want to come together, to gather, to our gathering as the church where we're pursuing the application of the truth relationally? A love that binds, a peace that rules. We want that, don't we? Now, it's not that that comes before necessarily we share the truth but it's what we grow into as we share the truth. So we apply the truth relationally. But here's the next bit. Notice, we experience the truth multidirectionally. I was going to have that as a feeling, but I thought no one's going to be able to spell that. I couldn't even spell. We apply, we, we, we experience the truth multidirectionally. And I say experience because, again, this is not just about getting our head wrapped around a concept. First of all, listen, we experience the truth downward, that is, from Christ to us. Look at verse 16 again. Paul writes, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now the word of Christ means the word about Christ as well as the word from Christ. When Paul writes this, there's a good chance that the gospels haven't been written. There might have been some 
some early kind of uh, source material that, that was kind of used by different apostles, but there probably wasn't any of the Gospels written and distributed yet, okay? So when he's talking about the word of Christ, he's not necessarily talking about the Gospel of Mark. He's talking about the truths about who Jesus is and what he's done and how that's the, the highlights of what they do as a church. In fact, if you were to look up 1 Timothy 3.16, you can look it up later, 1 Timothy 3.16, you'll see there's kind of like uh, these, these kind of lines of text that seem like a creed. And actually what they probably think it is, what we think it is, is probably a hymn. Because before we had the Gospels or all the epistles, they would sing the truths about who Jesus is. Hymns are important. But, but the point he's making here is this. Listen, we, we first experienced the truth from Christ to us. Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says, he writes, With the Lord's authority I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do. For our context we might say unbelievers do. For they are hopelessly confused. But that isn't what you've learned about Christ. You have heard about Jesus and have learned that the truth that learned the truth that comes from him. We received from him. I, I hope, I really do hope when we gather together on a Sunday or when you gather in your house group that you expect to receive truth. That when you open the scriptures that you say this is the word of God and I want Jesus to speak to me because this is what he wants to do. Now, we don't just receive experienced truth downward from Christ, but also outward through us toward one another. Again, this is not just about receiving information. This is about how do we share truth. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Because it says here really clearly, doesn't, doesn't it, that we are teaching and admonishing one another. This is what we're called to do. Paul gives us a command. He tells the, the church in Colossae, make sure that you're teaching and admonishing one another. And here's what's interesting, because there seems to be a, a tension here in the scriptures. The, the Bible says in the book of James, listen, it says, James 3.1, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with a stricter, a greater strictness. Hmm. Well, we're all supposed to be teachers. In fact, Paul would say in Romans chapter 15 this. He says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you, are, you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct or teach one another. Is there a contradiction? No. This is a, a, something we have to understand, okay? There is a difference between having a, uh, a responsibility to God's people to set forth the doctrine of the scriptures, the teaching of the scriptures. That's what elders do. It's what pastors and teachers and elders do. Okay, this is partly what my responsibility is, is to lay this out. That doesn't mean that whatever I say goes. That's not what it means. It just means my responsibility for God is to make sure that you understand the gospel and you can apply the gospel the right way. Okay? But it's all of our responsibilities to teach and admonish one another. Interesting, the word for admonish there can be translated counsel, to counsel one another. It's the idea that, that, that all of us are on the spectrum where we need advice of different degrees. And often, the kind of advice that we need, the kind of counsel that we need, we can get through God's people from God's word. Counsel. 
The, the, the way this works is that faithful teachers, in the James 3 sense, equip all of us towards truth well shared. This is why we spend a big part of our Sunday gathering teaching you the scriptures. Now so you can go, okay, tick that box off. I've learned some truth. So that you are equipped to teach each other. That's the whole point. That's why we do it this way. This is why we're not just trying to give you kind of a pithy little story and you know, something that you kind of go, oh, that was interesting or that was funny. That's not the goal. The goal is, do you know what God actually says, what God is actually doing, and, and are you receiving that and able to share it with each other? That's the point. So we experience the truth both directly downward from Christ to us, outward through us to one another, but also there's, there's something to this outward I, I want to bring up. Because Paul says here, listen, that we're not just supposed to say truth to each other. We're not supposed to just teach and, and counsel each other. But he says this happens in all wisdom as we what? Notice verse 16. As we are singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I don't get caught up in those different categories. It's just kind of a, a way to say any kind of music that exalts Christ. Okay? But uh, think about this for a second. When we come together to sing, when we come together to sing, you know what we're actually meant to be doing? Sharing with one another. We don't tend to think that. As If you are, are like me from a, from a charismatic church background, and we desire to be, we are a charismatic church by conviction. And so as a charismatic, we believe in the work of the Holy Spirit, that, that God's Spirit meets with us as individuals, that God uses us powerfully. We are open and wanting to be expressive in our worship. It's all part of, in a sense, a charismatic culture. But here's, the, here's one of the issues. Sometimes with that, we think it's just about me and you, God, just me and you, God. Yeah, fine, that is you and, just you and God when you're in your quiet time. But when you gather, it ain't just about you and God. It's about all of us together. All of us. And that we're meant to share truth with each other. Now, can I ask you a very serious question? It's so serious, I'm going to take a drink of my coffee. Very serious question. If I stood up here on a Sunday, or me or anybody else, and the teaching was like this, and so uh, you move downward, the truth moves downward from Christ to you, uh, outward through, uh, uh, through us toward one another, and oh, squirrel. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, there's another point that we'll make. Uh, I can't remember what it is. You don't want that, do you? In fact, I couldn't do that. Because either I believe this truth and I preach it passionately or I quit. This truth of who Jesus is and what he's done has changed my life. And you know what? For many of you, it's changed yours too. God is radically transforming us. And sometimes we don't even know how to explain it. Guess what? You can sing it on a Sunday. You can sing it in your home group. You can sing it, sing it like a lunatic in your car. Share truth with one another in singing in psalms and hymns. Listen, I know, I get it, I, I do, I get it. That sometimes we come together and our minds are moving a mile a minute. If you've got little ones, I do, man, I know that's a trick. 
You're saying, Lord, I love you, but I'm going to kill my kid if he won't stop crying. I know you're thinking these things. We all have these things. Most Sundays, when I'm there, I'm trying to think, not think about, okay, don't forget, you got, you got this going on on Sunday. You got this thing happening. Oh, did you talk to that person? And what about this? I'm trying not to do that. I'm trying to think about the Lord. But listen, there's something about me listening to you guys sing that reminds me of the truth. Sometimes, guys, I don't sing. I just sit and I listen. And you know what I hear? I hear the truth belted out in song. And the truth sets us free. And sometimes, guys, uh, when I just think there's not enough belting out going on, and I'm singing as, as loud as I can sing and still be edifying. And, and I'm lifting my hands to the Lord. It's not because I'm hyper-spiritual. It's not because the Holy Spirit got a hold of my shoulder muscles and lifted my hands up. It's because I'm choosing to do what the psalm describes in lifting holy hands. Hands that God himself has cleansed. And I'm wanting to praise God because God's worthy to be praised. And you guys need to see that God's worthy to be praised. Guess what? We all need to see that from each other. Amen? So why are we holding back? Why are we holding back? Oh, I just don't always feel it, man. I don't want to fake it. I get that. But this isn't just about us. I should say this isn't just about me. It's not just about you. It's about us. It's about teaching and admonishing one another through songs and hymns and spiritual songs. See, guys, God wants to move. This is why we're picky about the songs. I mean, some, some really, there's some really cool-sounding songs out there, um, some, a lot of great music that sings like, Jesus is my boyfriend. And we tend to not do too many of those songs. We tend to try to pick songs. We try. I mean, we, we don't always make it, and some songs are, some people feel one way about another, and that's okay. But we try to pick songs that are true for every believers, for every believer every day. So we can sing the truth to one another. This is one of the ways we experience the truth. It's not just that kind of buzz when everyone's singing. I mean, that's as lovely as that is. It's not just that. It's about who we're singing to and why he's worthy to be sung to. So we sing downward from Christ to us, outward through us toward one another. In fact, I'll, I'll read this verse, Ephesians 5.18, right? This is, this is the, the filling of the Spirit, not just the letting God's Word, Christ's Word, dwelling in us, that we're receiving His Word and let it dwell richly in us, but also there's a parallel to the filling of God's Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, it says, Do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be being filled. It's a literal way to say that. Be being filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. I think one of the other mistakes we can make as charismatics is we're waiting for the coming upon of the Holy Spirit before we sing. I'm going to feel it. Okay, Lord, do it, do it, then I'll respond. You know what? The Holy Spirit is in us, is He not? And He will overflow us as we obey. I, I really believe that. Jesus said, you know what? Out of your hearts, out of your hearts will flow rivers of living water. And this he spoke of the Holy Spirit. Say what God says. 
Sing what God says. Be those that are helping one another experience the truth. And here's the last one, the mind-blowing one on this second point of we experience the truth multidirectionally. Listen to this. We also experience it upward through us toward heaven. Through us toward heaven, yes. When we, listen, when we sing and pray God's truth back to Him, here's what happens. Our grip on the truth gets stronger and He is well pleased. You want an example of this? Turn to Acts chapter 4. If you have one of our Bibles, it's page uh, 1084. So turn back to Acts chapter 4. So you're in Colossians, you're going to go back, backwards towards the front of the Bible, right? You got uh, Philippians and Ephesians and then Galatians. Keep going. If you get to Romans, go a little bit farther. You'll see Acts, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, listen. The disciples have just been told, stop preaching Jesus. The religious people told them, stop preaching Jesus. And so here's what we see happening, verse 24. Actually, start in verse 23. It says, when they were released, that's this Peter and John specifically, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. In other words, they said, stop preaching Jesus. And when they heard it, what does it say? They lifted their voice together, their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the sea and everything in them? What are they praying? They're praying Genesis 1 back to God. You think God knows that he created everything? But they're praying it back to God. Verse 25. Who through the mouth of, your, of, of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage and, and the people's plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. They're praying Psalm 2 back to God. For truly, they pray, this, the, in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. What are they praying back there? Well, it wasn't written yet, but basically the stuff that you read in John chapter 18 and 19 about the crucifixion of Christ and who was involved, read it, because that's what they're praying. Praying the truth of who, what, how Jesus suffered back to God. Verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant that your servants, grant to your servants to continue to speak your word in all boldness. Boldness just means confidence in God. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through your name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed... And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of the Lord with boldness. When God shakes the house, when God shakes the house, it's his way of saying, I'm into this. <laughs> I want you. Now, I've never been in a, well, I've been in California, lots of earthquakes. But I've never been in a place where God timed an earthquake just right for an amen when we were praying. I haven't experienced that yet. But, you know, if you read the testimonies of revivals that happened, the Welsh revival uh, that happened uh, in, the, in the 19th century, you read about the first and second uh, Great Awakenings that took place in America and took place in, in, here in Great Britain. 
you read about them, and there's testimonies when people were praying, God, save people. Help your people come back to you. Help us to be bold with the gospel, where God would shake a house. Now listen, I'm not saying this because this is what we're, our goal is to get the house to shake. No, our goal is to get our hearts to turn towards God. And when we pray the truth back to God, he's pleased and our faith is built. Pray the scriptures. Pray the truth back to God. He uses this. My quiet time is not always radically profound or, or moving. It's not always. But you know what? It often is. And you know all I do in my quiet time? You know all that I do. I mean, I don't even pray in tongues in my quiet time, usually. Maybe twice in my lifetime. There's a whole other story behind that. But, but I'll tell you what I do. I read the scriptures. And before I open and read, I say, God, please speak to me. And then as I'm reading, I pray. If I read a command, I say, Lord, give me the grace to do that. If I'm convicted of a sin, Lord, forgive me for doing that. If I see God doing something powerful, I think, Lord, would you do that? Would you do that in me? Would you do that in us? I just pray back what I'm reading to God. God meets me there. God meets us there. I was praying for someone recently, and uh, what came to my mind was some stuff from Psalm chapter 37. And as I was praying for them, God just spoke to me something for me. I was praying for them, trying to pray the scriptures to them. Psalm 37, let yourself in the, in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I was praying, God, would you form your desires in your heart? And God just really spoke to me. John, pray that for yourself. And I just felt like, yes, God, I need you to form in me the desires that you want me to have because I know whatever desires you want me to have, you will fulfill. That's not name it, claim it, prosperity. That's just the Bible. Speak the truth. Pray the truth. In fact, here's, here's let me get you. You guys, this is going to get a bit weird. It's going to get weird. Wait, wait, wait to this. Listen to this. Here's what the scripture teaches. When we're talking about memory, experiencing the truth multidirectionally, right? Okay? That, 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 that this also, listen, is not just the fact that we get a better grip on truth when we pray the truth or sing the truth and that God's pleased, that's great. But you know, even the angels, the angels benefit when we speak, pray, live the truth. Listen. 1 Peter chapter 1 says this, And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. The angels who exist to praise God and do his bidding watch us worship. And I think most of the time they go, Lord, how come they're not more excited? Do they know who they're singing to? Or sometimes I think it's like, Lord, we, we saw what happened to those people and they're still praising you. Wow, God, what have you done for them? That they would praise you in the midst of difficulty. Uh, I, I mean, are, is this, is, does that blow you away? It blows me away. That God would use our, our speaking and praying the truth to one another to educate angels? <laughs> it's pretty mind-blowing. I know it sounds really weird. It does sound really weird. I'm kind of funny about having this on the recording. But it's true. It's in the Bible. Here's the reality, guys. Listen. God is calling us to this command of teaching and admonishing one another, not just so that we can share our Bible knowledge, who knows what about theology, so that we can experience 
the living Christ who sets us free. Now, this last bit. We, we do need to apply the truth relationally, and we do need to experience the truth multidirectionally, but also we need to learn to communicate the truth helpfully. Because all of us, most of us have probably experienced when someone said something true, but it wasn't helpful. If you want a great example of this in Scripture, read the book of Job. Most of what Job's said, friends said to Job when he was suffering greatly was actually true stuff, just the wrong time. And they didn't understand what actually God was doing, but they said stuff that was actually true and wise. It's, it's repeated in other places, other wisdom literature. Right truth, wrong time. We've got to learn to communicate helpfully. What do I mean by that? Going back to our text in Colossians, right? Colossians chapter 4, right? He says that we are to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, teaching and admonishing one another and our wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness to God uh, in your hearts to God. And verse 17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we're not going to focus so much on the deed stuff right now, though deeds are just as important as words, if not more so. But how do we speak in a way? How do we speak to one another, sing to one another, in a way that we're doing it in the name of Jesus, that we're representing him, we're trusting his authority, name speaks of authority, we're under his authority. How do we do that? So I have three questions that I want us to think about to answer this question, okay? First question that we all want to ask ourselves. How is Jesus changing the way you speak about others? How is Jesus changing the way you speak about others? Listen to this. James chapter 4. Oh, James 4 and 5, actually. James writes, Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you're criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge it, whether it applies to you. In other words, it always applies to you. <laughs> God alone, who gave the law, is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? He goes on to say in chapter 5, don't grumble about each other. That's complaining, by the way. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge, that's Jesus, is standing at the door. How do we speak about each other? You know, John's a nice enough guy, but he never shuts up. It's true. You know, we, we, we do appreciate that... Uh, you know, we have uh, the long break, but you know, I, I just... Why can't we have better kids' ministry? You know, I, I, we love servants and all, but sometimes the music's good, sometimes not so good. I'd go to a house group if everyone looked and acted like me. We don't say that, but that's what we think. We complain all the time. Man, I'll tell you, there's a... There's, Tons of fingers pointed at myself. My wife will tell you I'm a big complainer. I'm constantly having to repent for complaining. 
But listen, I need Jesus to change what comes out of my mouth. Because since he is the truth, I should always have something good to say. Always. Listen, Paul warns us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 15, he says, if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. They used to say during the Second World War, loose lips sink ships. And in one sense, they were talking about, you know, you know, not getting information out and that spies might be listening to you. But there's something about that that rings true because you know what sinks churches? Gossip, slander, complaining. As if there's nothing good for us to talk about? As if there's nothing good for us to sing about? How has Jesus changed in the way you speak about others? Listen, how has Jesus changed in the way you speak to others? How has he changed in the way you speak to others? Listen to this. This is, this is a part of the one another commands. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Stop telling lies. I want you to think about this. Paul's writing to the churches in Ephesus, a, just a really a, a great church, and he tells them, stop lying. Lies. We lie to each other. He says, let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Paul says something similar in Colossians chapter 3, where he says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. This is the way we lie the most. How are you doing today? Oh, fine. I almost murdered my children in the car, but I'm fine. We need to be honest. We need Jesus to change the way we are. Again, I'm not saying honest like you say every single thing you feel, because then you could start talking about people too, right? That can go pear-shaped fast, can't it? You, you know what I'm talking about too, and it's easy for us to slip into this. Oh, I just had a bad day. So-and-so was saying this. I, I'm only telling this so you can pray. Rather than doing that, maybe what we need to say is, look, I just had a, I had a run-in with someone, again, my, uh, a brother or a sister, and my heart's not right. Can we just pray? Because I want to love them. I don't know how to do that right now. And then when God speaks truth through the person praying for you, guess what happens? You're set. You're liberated. Lastly, how is Jesus changing the way you speak to God. You know what's amazing about this? Did you notice how many times, even this small little section, he talks about giving thanks, right? Or being thankful. He says in verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, which you indeed called to one body, and be thankful, he says. When he talks about singing these songs and hymns and spiritual psalms, he says, do so with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Verse 17, we should do everything in the name uh, of our Lord. Giving thanks to God. This is a theme throughout all this letter to the Colossians. Paul's emphasizing the need for us that, that, that we should be speaking to God. Why? Because of what Jesus has done for us. You know what we have? So much to thank God for. So much. Check this out. We should thank God that he has qualified us for every eternally good thing through Jesus. He qualified us. This is what he says. 
Colossians 1.12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Who qualified you? Father did. What, how do you do that? Through Jesus. What should that res- your response be to that? Thank you, God. I don't, people say to me, I, when I got, I have a really nice office at a new building. And, and some people said, oh, I'm so happy for you. You deserve it. And I say, I don't deserve it, but I'll take the grace. <laughs> nice set tea, a little couch where I can read. Lovely. I can close the door when all the kids there are being so loud. The Lord qualifies us for every good thing. We don't qualify ourselves. So we thank God that he has qualified us. What else? We thank God that he has enabled us, he's enabling us to walk with Jesus. God's doing this through his Holy Spirit. This is what Colossians 2, uh, 6 and 7 says. So walk in Jesus, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. When was the last time you said, God, thank you that I'm even able to walk with Jesus? You just were like, I'll walk with Jesus. I'm so disciplined. I want to be so holy. You couldn't even do it. You were like the lame man whose friends had to to bring you to Jesus and tear the roof apart and lower you down. You couldn't do it. And it wasn't until Jesus says, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven, and you're like, whoa. And then he says, get up and walk, and you're like, whoa, and you start to walk, that you can walk, that you can walk with him. You can walk with Jesus. You know why? Because of Jesus. Thank him for it. Thank you, God, you got me in a church. I put one foot in front of the other. Thank you, Lord, that I didn't murder my kids in the car. Thank you, Lord, that you helped me to apologize to my wife for the millionth time. Thank you, Lord, that you helped me to serve when I just thought I don't have any energy left. Thank you, Jesus, that you helped me to worship when my heart was so distracted. He gives us the ability to walk. What about this? Thank God for the peace that he provides through Jesus. What do we just read in Colossians 3.15? This peace that rules our heart. Where did that come from? Through Jesus. And lastly, in, in, in <clears throat> chapter 4, verse 2, we should thank God that we can communicate to him, that we can even pray. Prayer's hard, isn't it? It's difficult to focus and concentrate on prayer. You guys have probably all heard the acronym uh, ACTS, you know, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. It's a good acronym for, for prayer. But I tend, to, I tend to have to start with Thanksgiving because the only way I get my heart focused on God is to remember all the good He's given me in Jesus. There's something good for us to say as Jesus followers. Let's say it. Let's speak the truth to one another. Because Jesus said, he is the truth, and we can know the truth, and the truth will do what? Set us free. Father, we thank you for sending the truth to us when we were living lies. Lord, we believe the lie that we are our own gods. We believe the lie that we determine right and wrong. We believe the lie 
that we should live for ourselves, and you sent the truth to us. Through a parent, through a friend, through a tract, through the scripture itself. Lord, you sent the truth to us, and you set us free. Lord, we, 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 we do believe that we're free, but we're also needing to be liberated. And so, Father, we're asking that you would help us to expect to hear truth from each other and to speak truth to each other. And we pray you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit to that end. And we pray, Lord, that we'd be those who are taking the time to let your word dwell in us richly. Father, that we wouldn't see our gatherings as a tick box exercise where we're going, okay, I, I, I've heard truth, but Lord, we would, you would do in us that work where we desire to hear and to speak, to receive and to give. Oh Lord, let us be a liberated people because of what Jesus has provided. Please Lord, we pray it. In Jesus' name, everyone who agrees says, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Make sure you get to uh, say hi to somebody today if you haven't had a conversation yet. And uh, be praying this week about where you can speak truth, about how you can share truth. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. See you soon.